Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. Generosity. It should shape the life of anyone who calls themselves a Jesus follower. That's not my opinion. It's scriptural. What does that look like as it's walked out day to day? How does it shape your personality, affect your family, impact your community? Well, Brad Formsma, he led his family through a journey of living generosity out every day. Drew, his son, caught on and has taken it to whole new levels. They call it everyday generosity. And you can find it on a website by the same name, everydaygenerosity.com. They both join us today from California, where it's still early in the morning, to hear they're going to share a little bit of their story and stories of generosity they've seen all over the country. Drew and Brad Formsma, welcome to I Work For Him. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Hey, Drew, let's just start with you as you are still, are you in college now or are you in high, you're finishing up high school this year? Yes, I'm in high school. I'm a, a junior in high school, and I go to school in Orange County. So, All right. Orange County, California. You're still a junior in high school. Fantastic. That's really important for people to note. Tell us, Drew, how did you become a follower of Jesus? Uh, at eight years old, um, I, I committed myself to Christ and decided that this is something that I wanted to take up uh, on my life and that it's, it's something that I get to work towards a relationship with Him every day. And it's similar to giving. It's something we get to step into and uh, be in a relationship with God and make it something that we get to do. Hmm. I love that. Brad, what about you? How did you become a Jesus follower? Well, I always say I was one of the greatest make-believers growing up in a Christian home until age 28 when our first son was born. And uh, I had a pastor speak into my life in a way that I never heard before, and it just it just made me realize that uh, I was lost and I was a sinner and uh, Jesus gave it all, paid his life uh, for mine. And so it was in that moment I said, Lord, have your way with me. And we were on a fast track to uh, walking daily together and, and now into the work we do today. That's so excellent. I think it's so interesting how, um, becoming a parent can be very pivotal in our look, assessing our lives and saying, you know, there's, is there something more? Is it, you know, what is it that I'm created to be? This is awesome responsibility. All of those things that make us um, very good uh, grounds for God to work on in our hearts. So what a great and timing to have a pastor speak into you at that age. So Brad, we're talking about generosity today. The book that you you and Drew wrote together, Everyday Generosity. Mm-hmm. Brad, we're, how did God blossom generosity in your life? Well, it really started for me. I'm 11 years old, and my grandpa modeled what I call the generous life. Seven ways to the generous life, and it started with him. He's a big commercial baker, and yet he had a small test kitchen next to his office. And every Saturday morning, he'd make 16 loaves of bread. And one particular Saturday morning, he had me come with him. When we did that, uh, the loaves of bread cooled off. I thought it was going to be about me, bread, and, you know, a Saturday morning of uh, fun. And uh, 
No, they went into his trunk, and I tagged along with him, and the first stop was to a widow with a few loaves of bread, and he was generous with his words and to her and very affirming. And the second stop was a few more loaves of bread and a white envelope, and he explained that he was being generous with his money, that that person had a financial need. And the third stop was yet again a few more loaves of bread and him helping connect someone. He was really being generous with his influence. And so he began to model other ways in addition to that, being generous with his time and his thoughts and the way that he shares his stuff. And so you never got he really, bread, did you? We, we never got any bread that day, but I promise you I've had plenty since in the weeks <laughs> after. That was just a special day of modeling the generous life, and there was not as much receiving that day. <laughs> oh. mm. But what an impact it made on you for you to remember as an 11-year-old um, the values that you started to learn that day. And he was probably already modeling, but you got to be in a front row seat on that particular day. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, literally in the front seat. But, you know, we this latest project, Everyday Generosity, really is born out of parents saying to us after we speak at large churches across the country, like, help us in this area. And Drew has a great anacronym, um, me. Drew, why don't you explain that? Sure, yes. I have this acronym that I came up with that I really was hoping to um, really help parents start how do I bring this into with my kids? How do I show them this, the generous life? So I came up with this acronym, ME, Model, Encourage, Engage. And so when I looked into it more, is I realized my parents, all they were doing is modeling the generous life. They weren't talking about it. They were doing it themselves. And so I just challenged parents, step into it, um, step into it in your daily life, and your kids will start to see it. The next is encourage. I would say just encourage your kids on this journey, but don't force it. It gets really gross, trust me. You don't want to go there. Just encourage them on their journey and show them different places where they could step in to give. And then the last is engage. I just share the stories around the dinner table at night. Talk about it because generosity is just never talked about. Because I've realized that when generosity is talked about, generosity inspires generosity. So when we get to talk about this, it's truly powerful. And I have kids come up to me at school and they say, Drew, I, I don't even know what giving means. So a lot of my generation, there's a disconnect when they hear generosity or they just believe it's just about writing the big check. Uh, but Drew, you're a teenager. You know, when, when, and you've watched your, your mom and dad you know, demonstrate generosity all of your life, but you're a teenager. And most teenagers aren't real, you know, it's not like they're always going to go, hey, whatever mom and dad does, that's what I'm going to do. Usually mm -hmm. it's the uh, whatever mom and dad does, I'm going to go the other direction at 100 miles an hour. How did you how did you decide that this was something that I believe generosity really should fuel my life? Well, at first, I would tell you, I was very like, what's going on here? I was seeing them doing things to random people. I'd go, why are they giving to a random person they don't know? Um, why, why are they so happy? So there was some like skeptical approach to this at first. I was like wondering what was happening. And I started to catch on. I started to see the fruit that happened when they gave. Uh, I started to see that they gave with uh, a good intention to help someone else. And there was a lot of benefits that came back. And I talk about that in my book as well, that 
the benefits when we have the right intention when we give uh, is so important. And I started to see what happened when they gave, and I was like, I want some of that too. So that really, that's how it started for me. I, I, saw, I saw what I liked, and I, I, I adapted it. You know, Brad, let's let's just start go to a basis back of the conversation. Your grandfather was in, just incredibly influential in your life and teaching you generosity. But it, it's just about giving money, right? Isn't that what generosity is? <laughs> well, no. In fact, I often say to people, what do you think about when you think about generosity? And yet most will come to the word money. Right. And yet when we read in Scripture where Paul's saying, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Or we read these passages about spurring each other on towards love and good deeds. I think it's pretty clear that it's not money every day, every hour, every week, every month. That's a part. And yet, um, when I find people becoming, and myself, becoming more generous in these other areas of our lives, as we interact with other people and our daily, weekly, monthly rhythms of connection, I become more generous with money. But I think it's a more whole life approach. So you're talking about these other ways to be generous. How many different, way, different ways are there to be generous? Oh, Martha, we talk about seven ways to the generous life. Now, of course, you could probably come up with many other, but what we've found is when you take these seven ways and make the decision that you want to live generously, they change, they change your world. So, number one, being generous with our words. Number two, being generous with our thoughts towards ourselves and others. Number three, being generous with our money. Number four, being generous in the way we share our stuff. Generous with our time. Generous with our influence. And then the one that I'm working on more than ever before, generous with my attention. Mm. We live in this world where we have this five or six ounce device, depending on what model you have, (laughs) that's technology, glass, and plastic. And it's like, it's the anti-attention generosity thing in our world. And it's helpful, it's a tool, but I mean, have we not seen it? You're sitting at a restaurant and everybody's on their phone or you're having a conversation with someone and it beeps, buzzes, or vibrates. And I just think that one of the most powerful ways to be generous is to be fully present with your attention. Drew, let's talk about generosity stories having to do with money. So the seven categories you highlight in the book uh, seven categories of generosity that you've that you guys work on all the time as part of a family: thoughts, words, money, time, influence, attention, and possessions. Give us some money stories. That that seems like that's the easiest thing for people to hone in on when they think of generosity is is money. What's that look like to you? Give us a story or two. I wondered that for myself as well, but I started to think I don't have a lot of money right now. I make not a lot. And I know a lot of my generation might go, ooh, I can't give with money. But I, I actually believe, I started to talk to my parents and ask them, so how do I start to get involved financially in this? And it really all came to the fact that if I start giving now, I probably have a good chance of doing it later because of the habit. And so I, I have a couple nonprofits that I uh, really like. 
Uh, there's a wheelchair one that is given to uh, different people that have a special need. And um, there's also a Bible translation one that I give to, and I translate a certain amount of verses each month. And then to my local church as well, small amounts now, the habit will continue. And later in life, I will not have to make the decision because I made it in my teenage years. And that's really what I challenge parents to start to implement that habit in their family. Their ki- most your kids will won't have to make that decision when they're 30, 40, 50, 60. Maybe the, the zeros will go up, and I hope they will. But starting that habit as a kid is truly powerful. But you know what's interesting? When you start to aim your heart and your view off of you and onto other people, you spend less on yourself. And that's really a novel idea, isn't it? So the more I'm generous with my words to someone else, the more I share possessions that I have with someone else, the less of a grip money and possessions have on our life because we're using an open hand. So I think for me, our hope is that as people experience the joy of living generously, they don't want to let that go back. I've never met anybody that said, Gosh, uh, you know, the last few years I gave too much. The joy level was just awful. It didn't work. I, my relationships got worse. My my world kind of crashed and burned, so I'm never going to give again. Yeah. Never hear that. I always yeah, hear. that's right. Uh, generous people get more generous. All of these ways of being generous, this can apply not only in our private life outside of the office. This can really work inside the office, too, can it? Absolutely. In fact, this is where we end up, Jim, at leading companies, often companies that have a culture where it's servant or others focused. They want someone else to come in and reinforce some things that were already happening there. I don't know anybody who doesn't like to be refreshed with ideas and stories and even scripture if that works in the workplace. And I always like to say, when we're at a company, I say, you know, you can be generous by not hitting send on that email. And they all uh-huh. start chuckling. I didn't even say what was in the email. But then I right. go on to, to mention, look, how many of us have drafted this beautiful, snarky email? I'm just going to get that person. I'm going to let them have it. I'm going to copy a few people on it just to make sure the world knows I was right. And I'm going to, you know, this is going to be just so good. And I always say, just be generous and don't hit send. Give it a day. And if a day later you still think you should send it, probably a good indication you should. But you know what? How many times after a day, cooler heads prevail and we realize, huh. And because that's a way of being generous with our words by not sharing them, holding our tongue, holding our thoughts. And it just begins to affect the workplace. Time and time again, that whole gift of you know, being generous with your attention at work. I I bump into people who are leading teams and they say, there's nothing better than when our CEO or people that I'm managing come to me and we have a fully engaged conversation and we've made the decision to put the phones outside of the conference table or outside of the meeting space to just be present. Check them out online, everydaygenerosity.com, everydaygenerosity.com. If you want your life to be be reflecting what Jesus demonstrated. It involves everyday generosity. Check them out online, everydaygenerosity.com. You've been listening to I Work Frame with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. 
Want more? Hear the full broadcast at iworkforhim.com. Stay connected and receive power-packed content when you sign up for our blog at iworkforhim.com or follow us on social media at iworkforhim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at iWorkForHim and online, iWorkForHim.com.